Most gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we call upon you and ask that you would be with us tonight as we discuss what false worship looks like. I pray that you would reveal in us our own idols, reveal in us the things that we falsely worship for the purpose of drawing us closer to you and also so that we may use your work in our hearts to teach and mold our children. Lord, help us to uh, humbly come to our kids with um, a desire and a love for them and, um, and, and wanting to see them uh, point their worship towards you, which is what they were created to do, Lord. But our idols get in the way, and I pray for our children that you would help them to see that false worship and help us to point them towards you in all things. And we pray this in Christ's holy and wonderful name. Amen. We continue looking at our principles of parenting and we come to the principle of false worship or uh, looking at idolatry. And our principle this night is, is driving us to see that as we parent worshipers, as we parent children that worship, whether they see it or not, it's important to remember that uh, what rules our children's hearts controls their behavior. What rules our children's hearts will control their behavior. Just a couple questions to ask ourselves before we get started tonight. Why do they do what they do? Well, we all ask this question, oftentimes with no answer that we can come up with. Why do they resist guidance? Why can't they just get along with others? Why can't they stop obsessing over things? Uh, we also ask this question. How does change take place in their hearts? We long to see this change. Unfortunately, this longing for change often leads us to control instead of working to be a tool that God is using. So lastly, to tee us off, how can we be that tool of change? Well, God has called us to do that, um, and he's given us a means to do that. In this seminar, we've spoken about being an ambassador uh, and this is how change happens, that we represent God and we represent true worship of Him and hopefully our children will learn and be shaped by that, by the grace of the Holy Spirit. That's the heart of the issue, worship, right? All these questions can be found in that one word, worship. Our children do what they do because of worship, which means that part of our goal is not behavior change. We've talked about this quite a bit in this seminar. We're not looking for behavior change, but rather we want heart change. We want worship change. Paul David Tripp uses the example of a, cho- a child in a toy store screaming at the top of their lungs in the checkout line because they want that toy. This screaming is less about the horizontal tension between the child and the parent and more of a vertical tension between them and God. They want something. They want to be the one making the decisions. They want what they want. And they're going to scream until they get it. It's a power struggle. They want to be gods, just like Adam and Eve. They looked at the fruit and desired uh, to be more like God by eating it. And our children do just that. This goes back to Genesis 3, 4. But the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and that you will be like God, knowing good and evil. It's not just that child in the toy store that wants to be like God. We all want to be like God. And that's where brokenness flourishes. It's why we have spiritual problems that make their way out in behavioral problems. 
Most of us picture worship as this thing that we do on Sunday mornings or Sunday evenings. But worship is a basic human function. It's something that is ingrained in us. We were created to worship. Now, we were created to worship God, but sin has tainted that. So, just a, a couple things I want us to focus on tonight as we look at this whole idea of our children being worshipers. All these uh, headings are going to fall under, under that, that our children are worshipers, and because of that, we need to do a few things. So, let's turn to Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. Here, I want us to see that we need to push our children's worship towards true worship, the worship of God. Exodus 23 says, You shall have no other gods before me. Who are our children to worship? Well, our ch- children were made to worship God. You know, they, they need that more than a good education, more than a good job, more than a good marriage, etc., etc. Uh, we can't separate Christianity from everyday life as we parent. Now, we want them to have all those things, but more importantly, we want them to love God and follow Him. Each and every day. If we're pushing them towards that, then we're hopefully helping them see what controls their heart, what rules their hearts. And that we, if, if we don't do that, we might miss out on moments where grace is working in their hearts. If we're simply seeking to get behavior change out of our children, then Jesus never would have had to die in the first place. If, if, if just getting that behavior change would solve all their problems, then the cross was unnecessary. We know that that's not true. So we need to push them towards true worship. Not only do we need to push them towards true worship, we need to capitalize on their capacity to worship. Uh, let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, 5. This is a famous passage in the Old Testament. This is what's called the Shema. I'm going to read verses 4 to 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. All the things that capture our children's attention from as they're infants and toddlers all the way to the, when they're adults uh, does not cause them to be who they were made to be. They have this capacity to worship And we so often look for uh, filling that capacity with things that aren't good for us. As parents, uh, as Paul David Tripp says, we are called to look through the lens of the truth that your children are worshipers in order to understand and deal with all that is going on in their lives. So the Lord is going to use every event, use every false worship uh, to expose us to what's going on in their hearts. And that's a, a priority one task for us to take on. We don't need to miss out on those. We don't need to ignore those. We're given opportunities to see the God replacements that our children have and speak into them and reveal them for what they really, really are. So, one way we do that is we need to be their eyes. Because they're worshipers, we need to be their eyes. Looking at Deuteronomy 11.16 Take care, lest your heart be deceived. And you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Why might we need to be our children's eyes? Well, because sin blinds our children to their own hearts. Because sin is deceitful. They're going to look after false gods. 
This is why it's so important for us to keep a watchful eye. A few weeks ago, we read from Psalm 32.8, when it said, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. See, they can't grieve the sin that they can't see. So we need to reveal. They can't fight sin that they're oblivious to. So we need to create a battle plan. They can't turn from temptation that they see as normal and good. So we're to walk them through it. They can't worship the true God unless they realize that they've been worshiping false gods. Idolatry. So we need to expose those things to them. We need to walk them them through it. We need to show them that there's something far, far better. Something that they were made to do. Something beautiful. That's why we need to take care lest our hearts be deceived. And we turn aside and serve those other gods. Because it's so easy to do so. One of my friends, uh, Dr. Gabriel Fleur from... Uh, First Presbyterian Church in Columbia, South Carolina, uh, in a a sermon once said, he was talking about fears, insecurities, and um, just the ways that that our our behaviors translate from uh, when we're smaller uh, to when we're adults. He says that, you know, when we uh, grow older, we simply just trade monsters for mortgages. And I've always appreciated that because it just shows us that our hearts don't really change a whole lot when we grow up. Yes, they do change in many ways, but we always have fears. We always have insecurities. We always have false gods. Uh, but those simply just make their way out into something else when we get older. Uh, our fears when we're little. We fear the monster in the closet. Our fears when we're older. Uh, that, that mortgage. Uh, providing for our families. Our, idol, our, our idols when we're small. Uh, Self-sufficiency in a toy store, screaming at the top of our lungs because we want that toy. And when we're adults, that same idolatry comes out. When we throw fit because we don't get what we want at work. Or we feel like we are uh, deserving of something, even though we may not be. And we'll get to more of that in just a little bit. Uh, But before we do that, I want to talk about how... In order to show our children how to truly worship, we need to be the ones that are leading them in confession. Let's turn to 1 John chapter 2.15, when John writes, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So when we read that, uh, let me ask this question. Why is it so important that we teach our children about confession? Well, it's important because they're loving the world. They love the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, then the Father is not in him. And what a danger that is to them. We need to teach them that they need to be confessing of that. It's tempting for us to just condemn, critique, and get frustrated. But none of these help our children see that loving these things of the world is not good for their souls. So we need to implement tactics to give them a voice to confess. Tripp says this, Leading your children to confession is about having a tender, patient, understanding and insight-giving conversation with your child that's intended to get, to get them to examine what they haven't acknowledged and to bring to and accept responsibilities 
for the thoughts, desires, and choices that cause them to do what they do. Communicating that you are there to help is key. So we're to lead them in confession. <clears throat> we're to lead them in showing them what it looks like to confess. Uh, I've often heard this from many people, and I try to uh, do this in my own family, uh, is that you know we are to be the lead repenters in our families. As parents, we need to be the lead repenters, showing our children what it means to confess that you've done something wrong and to try and make it right, to seek, an apo- to, to, seek to apologize uh, for hurts done, for, for things not getting done, whatever it may be. We need to show them what that looks like or else they'll never know how to do that with God. We also, and we've talked a lot about this in the seminar, we need to uh, see that we can't free them from their biggest problem. Psalm 115, verses 4 to 8, says, Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak, eyes but do not see. They have ears but do not hear, noses but do not smell. They have hands but do not feel, feet but do not walk, and they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. So what does this psalm tell us about our children's worship? It shows us that we become like our idols. And that we don't see them as bad, which is one of our biggest problems. So we're to teach and warn, protect and to guide and to be examples. But we have to admit that we have an inability. The Holy Spirit has to be at work. Our children need to worship the one that rescues. Without that, without that, they're never going to see that they need God's help. They're never going to see that they need our help to see the error of their worship. So let's be praying that uh, the Lord would help them to see that they are becoming more like their idols and less like God, uh, because what they were made to be was to pursue God and to uh, reflect His image just a few more. We need to show them their only hope. First John 2.17 tells us this. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So what does John tell us here about true worship? Well, he tells us that true worship leads to eternal life. The world and its idols are going to pass away. Those who abide in Him will last forever. This is the hope that we are to constantly be putting them in front of. And because we have that inability, we're to push them to the hope of the one who is able. The one who is able to save. Um, I've mentioned several times in my years of doing youth ministry, I've often seen parents uh, become so afraid to tell their children to go to church, to tell them to go to youth group, to tell them to go to worship. And that fear, that fear uh, comes from uh, a a desire to not uh, want to jade them and and not want to, uh, you know, harden their hearts towards these good things. They want them to make that choice for themselves. They don't want their kids to hate them for making them go to church. And I do realize that that is a battle, that that is something that 
every parent is, is worried about. But if we're not placing our children under the ordinary means of grace, then how can we accept, how can we expect them to see the hope of Christ? How can we expect them to see their need of Jesus if they're never worshiping Jesus? We have an inability, but God has put us in the lives of our children to push them towards the hope. That same hope that we trust in is the same hope that we need to be pushing our children towards. Don't be afraid. Please don't be afraid. Do it with a lot of grace and humility, but don't be afraid. So, tying this all together, kind of, kind of landing uh, our seminar for this evening, just looking at some application. I mentioned earlier that we uh, often have insecurities and fears and uh, idols when we're little that translate to when they're adults. We need to realize that we are more like our children than, uh, than we think. If we're going to be used as tools in our children's lives, we need to recognize that we also have worship issues. And one of the things that we need to do as we realize those things is that our children see that we have worship issues. Our children see that we have idols. Our children see that we have fears and insecurities. And if they don't see us dealing with those in godly ways, then we should not expect to see change in their hearts. Despite what we think, they're watching. They're seeing our every move. They may get distracted by toys and TV shows and and all those fun things, but they are watching. And they see the ways that we idolize our jobs. They see the ways that we idolize uh, our time. They see the ways that we idolize our finances. And whether or not we want them to, they're learning from that. So we need to realize that we're more like them than we think. And the more we work on our hearts, the more we we trust in Jesus to change us by the grace of His Spirit, uh, the more we let uh, uh, let the Holy Spirit change our perspective on things. We're going to see ourselves doing this less. We're going to stop letting good things become bad things in our hearts. And what a way to teach, right? What a way to instruct and to show Tripp says this at the end of uh, one of his chapters. Parenting is being willing to expend your time, gifts, and energies and resources in a daily battle of worship as God's tool in the lives of your children. Are you prepared for that? Your children hear you telling them uh, to quit idolizing things, to quit uh, you know, thinking about uh, possessions and and activities and uh, and to, to quit falsely worshiping things than th- when we are doing the same exact things just with different things, right? We're always going to be hypocrites because we're sinners, but we need to be uh, at least uh, willing to humbly come to our children and say, I am struggling with this too, right? I, I'm a false worshiper. I idolize things. And I'm trusting that the Lord is working in my heart and I want Him to work in yours as well. God gives us everything we need to go into that daily battle. So let us humbly come before Him and ask for His grace to do that with our children. We're going to discuss this a little bit more over the next few minutes. But before we do that, let me close our time in prayer. Heavenly Father, we love You. We thank You. 
And we ask that you would show us the false worship in our hearts, Lord. Expose those things, even though it may hurt, even though we may not enjoy it. Help us to see a better form of worship so that our children can see a better form of worship that's displayed in our lives, in our thoughts, in our actions and words. I pray for these parents that you would bless them, bless their children, grow them into being young men and women who are after your own heart. I pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.